And welcome back to the Kyra London Podcast. It's Craig McLean, your host here again. And welcome to 56B, I guess, is this episode. Uh, 50, episode 56, if you've come to this episode fairly new, was a chat with Tom Mackay, who was setting out to run the London Marathon uh, at a time below two hours and 30 minutes. Now, uh, just over a week ago, he ran the London Marathon and he talks us through how it went. So it's a fairly short, brief little chat. We uh, sit down at the what used to be Ground Coffee Society coffee shop, 79 Collective. Thanks, guys, for the coffee and for supporting the pod as you always do. But yeah, let's hear how Tom went with his attempt at a 2.30 marathon. Welcome back, Tom, to Kyron and Podcast 2.0. This is the follow-up to the running edition that we did uh, um, six weeks ago, maybe? Six weeks, yeah. And at the time, we talked through a lot about preparation for a marathon, and you've just completed the London Marathon in a very speedy time. However, this is literally just a bit of a quick pull apart, because I wanted to hear the story. I haven't heard the story yet, and I thought we might as well just meet up for a cup of coffee. We're in Grind, well, 79 Collective, as it's known yes. now, yeah. drinking Ground Coffee Society coffee. Yeah. Or about to have one delivered. So you're going to hear some cafe noise, but that should add to the vibe yeah, of yeah. the thing. But, mate, uh, we started talking about it before we just pressed record, but I just want to hear the full rundown of where it went well for you, where maybe it didn't go so well for you, and let's just pull it apart. I want to hear the story. Yeah, well, I guess the the big big picture was obviously I was trying to run sub two thirty. That did not happen, so it was a failed outing in that sense. But I, you know, I ran at two thirty seven, and yeah, I mean, as I always am when I run a marathon, just reminded how harsh they are. Um, you know, I think I went. I was just explaining how I, I made, I was gonna say the rookie error, but because it was my first time running London, I didn't really know the setup. But for competitive club runners here, there is a championship start. So they essentially start um, right at, they're right on the start line behind the pros and elites. And I, I failed to, despite the fact I you know qualified to get into that um, start, I didn't, I didn't have a, a bib which gave me access, so I, you know, I was with the, the best of the rest, or good for age is what they call it. Um, and because of COVID, they were doing these you know, staggered starts, so they'd let one wave go, five minutes later they'd let another wave go. Um, so you know, the pro, pro men went off at 9.30, I didn't start until 9.38. Um, and immediately in the first mile, I was like, oh, there's a lot of people in front of me. And you guys, old front way. That's me. Thank you. Let's go. And a cappuccino. Perfect. Thank you. Let's go enjoy. Yeah, I quickly realized that the whole game plan of trying to conservatively find a pack okay. to run with was it just wasn't an option because you know those the people the men and women running in the championship start are running a variety of paces depending on what age they are so I essentially had a few thousand people I had to try and work my way through 
um, to get to a place where I was running with people at a similar pace. So it was, you know, definitely a slightly more stressful opening tank, definitely opening 10K because, yeah, you just, you're just way, you're, you're at a point in the race where you're trying to conserve energy, you feel like you're leaking energy because, you know, you're just accelerating to get past people, you're weaving a little bit. Um, and obviously I was trying to stay calm. This is where uh, years of heart rate training originally from my cycling days was helpful because I had a sort of number and I was just like, okay, as long as my heart rate doesn't go above that number, I'll be okay. And, you know, I was just slowly working my way through. I went through the halfway point in 1.13, which was, you know, right right where I, you know, on the aggressive side. But so anyway, so just go back there, like, what was that number? I know, you know, I don't want you to give away too many of your secrets, and I know we've got a big listener base here that are probably going to be stealing from your expertise here, but no, what's what's your number you don't want to, want to go over? I mean, for me, it's like I, you know, when we last spoke, I just run the half marathon, and running a half, you're really on that threshold, like, you know, I think in basic terms, what would be on the lactate threshold, so for me, that's around 175. Um, I basically know if my heart rate is going above 170, I'm working too hard for a marathon. Yeah. Okay. So there's a kind of a little pocket where I'm okay with it going up to 169, but you know, within reason, yeah. it, you know, if I'd surge and it would go up to 170, I'd just say, okay, let's cool the jets a little bit. Um, and you know, that's the thing is. Obviously, the the second half of the race, well, not really even the second half, it was more the final 10K is where things started to go south. Um, well, hang on, so go back to that, that statement, though, of like 1.13 halfway point. You've clocked the fact that you're doing 1.13. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how are you feeling at that I'm point? I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, I think the underlying issue, which obviously became a bigger issue, is I was, you know, as you have to during a marathon, I was fueling and I was taking these gels on. And, you know, the, I've practiced this a lot. Um, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't making the schoolboy error of just trying something new on race day. But, yeah, what well, you know, I was, the gels weren't going down as easily as I would have liked, put simply. Um, and I started to notice I was, you know, I think the common, issue marathon runners have when it comes to stomach is like they need to go to the porta party. Yeah. I I wasn't having that issue. I I was I started burping and feeling sort of sick. Yeah. Which, you know, I'd never experienced before. I you know, thing just weird things were happening like I was I suddenly started having a stitch yeah. at mile, you know, sixteen, which once again isn't something which would normally happen during a marathon. Um, so I got to a place where I basically just had to call it and say, I can't carry on fueling or else I will be sick. Um, but you know, that, I'm off 13, you know, I saw my, my family at 14 and things were feeling pretty great. And it was at that point where you start to get excited and that's where you really have to rein it in. And maybe I should have reined it in a little bit more because 
you know, the thing I found with London as a course, I mean, the sport was amazing, but you kind of go through periods which are pretty quiet and um, there's not much going on. And then you have these real highs. So, you know, the first big high is at 10K, you run through Cutty Sark and Greenwich and it was just like bonkers. <laughs> and yeah, you know, suddenly you're just, you get this rush and then the halfway point you go over Tower Bridge and yeah. it's, yeah, mad. mad. And then suddenly, at around the 30k mark, you go into the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the doldrums. Yeah, and it's desolate. Um, you know, that was, I think, it, it's no surprise that's where most people's races go off the rails because, yeah, you know, it's that 30k point in a race where, you know, the cliche about marathons is always it's a 20 mile race with a 10k put on the end. And yeah, you know, and it depends on what you do with that 10k as yeah. to how well you go, right? Yeah. So I, I, I've checked out your Strava, and, and obviously the um, the pace looked like it was really consistent and yeah. quite good for that sort of first. Like, how many miles did you sort of keep that up for then? Yeah, it was. I mean, around 17, 18. 17, 18. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there were definitely points in the race where I felt like, oh, I wanted to push on, but I was keeping it pretty consistent with the split so it wasn't fluctuating too much so. and so 113 and what was your half marathon time PB again the other day 110 110 yeah so um, but obviously you're running at sort of a lower heart rate and in a totally different sort of yeah. um, domain um, thank, you much. thank you um, and and then yeah so one yeah, around that sort of 17, 18 mile mark, it started to go a little south, so. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's the accumulate, I, I mean, I always feel like in a marathon, you're just constantly juggling different parts of your body and mind, which are, you know, you're constantly like checking in on yourself, whether it's your thoughts going to a dark place, it's your foot is suddenly hurting. Um, yeah, and it got to a point where the, the balancing act with my stomach was seriously ca you know, causing me concern and also just making it hard to exert myself. So, you know, you mentioned looking at the Strava, you'll probably see my heart rate actually drops pretty dramatically around the 18 mile mark because, um, yeah, I just couldn't, you know, my legs just weren't turning over at the same pace and <laughs> right so we got up to the halfway point <laughs> the best the best half <laughs> one hour and 13 yeah. uh, one hour and 13 minutes in and you hit the Isle of Dogs and it was a low point yeah um and you obviously there's something went wrong in the whole fueling side of things. So one question I did have now we've had our breakfast burrito and yeah. we've got our fueling strategy yeah. right for today. I did not have a breakfast burrito before the marathon, just to be clear. How many? How many? Was there like a grams of carbohydrate strategy or not really? No, I mean loosely, as in you know there's a window you're trying to hit in an hour. Yeah. So it's like there's a range for people. You know, I'm trying to have pretty much yeah, two gels an hour um, because obviously the harder you're running the more your body is kind of craving that stuff and yeah you know it's not too everyone's essentially trying to do the same thing the elites have the luxury of having actual bottles on the course 
which in an ideal world I wouldn't use gels because it's just so much easier to do it yeah to do a drink to a drink so you, you sort of talk about the fact that you hit this point and your gastrointestinal system was in trouble and then you just backed it off a bit at about mile 18 and that dropped your heart rate yeah. or you kind of felt like your legs couldn't quite go as fast as yeah. you wanted them to go. And then just talk us through those last eight miles and what sort of yeah. was going on from that point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's always a kind of point in the race, especially, you know, as I said, Isle of Dogs, there's very little crowd support and, you know, you go through Canary Wharf and suddenly you're just running through tall buildings where you're just seeing your reflection and yeah it's just like mentally a very tough place because you realise you know you've done the majority of the race but you've got a long way to get essentially to get home and at that point the thing I try to just focus on is like okay I know I'm seeing my mate at mile 22 I know I'm seeing my mum at mile 24 like almost just breaking down the race into instead of thinking like about pace and time just like let's get to this point and then giving yourself like little checkpoints of encouragement because you know I think I went in aggressively pursuing a goal where I it was almost like all or nothing either I get sub 2.30 or I don't so once I realised I wasn't going to get sub 2.30 I think it almost allowed me just to try and enjoy the rest of the I mean enjoy I'm using in a very loose loose sense but I got onto the embankment which is the final 5k of the course and I was like this is you know the sun was shining in London the crowd was incredible you know I had friends family everywhere and I was like okay I don't want to go into a dark hole where I'm not appreciating this because obviously you know for the last year and a half we haven't been able to do this so I was like let's let's actually try and get some joy out of this even if I'm not feeling great even if this isn't what I you know the day I wanted um, let's put on a little show for the people who are there and yeah you know but like as an amateur athlete too like effectively it sounds like when you're at uh, Greenwich and when you're at uh, Tower Bridge and when you're at uh, Embankment it's it's the closest thing you're ever going to get to being a professional footballer in front of 80,000 people yeah, yeah. Sort of thing, right? yeah. and that, that opportunity doesn't come along very often does it so. no and you know I, I, I had friends watching who've never watched a marathon before and they all said to me after they were like that was incredible and I think the thing which is really special about the marathon you know both for the runners but also the spectators is if you get there early you essentially see the best in the world do their thing and you just see this gradual progression you know, descent for like very elite level athletes to sub elite to people who are competitive club runners to people who are you know maybe doing a few races a year to suddenly people who've just like running for charities and they're like dressed in big Ben costumes so you see this range which yeah I mean if you compare it to any other sport there isn't anything equivalent where you just have everyone in the same boat doing the same race you know suffering in the same way because um, yeah you know there was a elite female marathon runner Shalane Flanagan running London this year she's actually retired but um, she's running all six of the majors in this three month window so she'd run Berlin the previous week 
and she was running London and you know on the Mal the final stretch she was walking and she was just like you know she wrote on Instagram after she was just like you know she's run I don't know how many marathons but she made the same mistake I essentially made where you go out too hard or too hot and then it's it's cool the way that you're just talking about the fact that it doesn't really uh, you're, you're not that you're not that beaten up but you're not that disappointed about your effort because you knew there was a bit of a roll of the dice and yeah. that um, if it went well and everything lined up you could do it and if you didn't it wouldn't yeah. and um, uh, yeah so mate, well done uh, I'm doing a, a 2.37 anyway even though I think you said before your PB is 2.33 and I guess at some point it's still there as a project in the future Oh yeah, it's the the project is well and truly still alive. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, when you've run fourteen marathons, you get very used to racing. Yeah, I think that's one thing my friends struggle to realize is like most marathons do not go to plan. It's very rare to have a race which everything feels good or everything is the way you want it to. But yeah, it's just like this constant process of trying new things and also like you said trying to be bold with your goals and yeah realizing there's a risk in that but the alternative is much less exciting so tom what is next then uh in the immediate future there's a cross-country race on home turf in richmond park this saturday which by all accounts is far too soon to be doing any kind of racing so it's a. Uh, How far is that though? It's a. Uh, I think it's 8k. I think. I, I hope it's only 8k. I'll find out on Saturday. But it's the first race in the Sorry Lee cross country calendar. And, you know, I've never, despite running more miles than I think anyone I know in Russian Park, I've never raced there. So. Do they make you jump over logs and run through rivers or lakes? Um, I'm not sure if there are going to be water obstacles in this one. I'm hoping <laughs> they'll ease us into it um, because, you know, in a few weeks' time we go to Wombin Common, which is another one of my old stomping grounds. And I know for a fact Wombin Common is a little more gnarly than Russian Park. And there will definitely be... I think the season gradually gets muddier and more unpleasant. So I'm hoping Russian Park will be a relatively tame reintroduction to cross-country and racing. But let's get back to marathons. Yeah. Uh, this, as you said in that first pod, was Marathon 5 of the Big Six. Yeah. Uh, and the last one that you have not run is which one? Tokyo. Which, yeah. And what's, I, the, deal, what's the deal with Tokyo? What's your next marathon? Or what's the, what's the Yeah, Tokyo, one? they... You know, I have a, a bib to run it, but with um, the way COVID is there and vaccines, they are pushing that can down the road. So I'll probably run Tokyo in 2023 okay. um, because the 2022 edition will be res- heavily restricted once again. And... Yeah, you know, when I do it, I want to do it in a way which is actually enjoyable. So hopefully by 2023, (laughs) we're in that place. Um, But, you know, I think I was 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the prospect of trying to bounce back fairly quickly, even if it requires training through the dark months of December and January, was actually quite appealing to me. And a friend texted me off, you know, the day after the race and was like, hey, I've signed up for this marathon in February, the Sevilla marathon. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I went to see uh, Dr. Brian at Putney Chiropractic the week after the marathon for a little tune-up. And I was like, hey, have you ever been to Seville? And Dr. Brian says, it's one of my favorite cities. It's a beautiful city. <laughs> and then he said, you have to do this race. So I don't go against Dr. Brian's words. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I'm now registered to run Sevilla in February, which... I was already intrigued by the idea, and then I went on the website, and its selling point is <laughs> it's the flattest marathon in Europe, which I'll take. And also, you know, it's severe, as Dr. Brian said, beautiful city, a little bit of sunshine in February, some 20-mile runs on Christmas Day, all sounds very appealing to me, because I think the other alternative was just to wait until some of the more traditional spring marathons in April and May. But that, you know, that to me felt like a, a long way away now, so. And so is, well, good that you brought up Dr. Brian. Yeah. Let's, we, we, we haven't covered yet how body your body physically uh, went in the preparation to uh, right up to the day and yeah. afterwards. And you did say to me before that you kind of feel like this marathon hasn't taken too much out of you because as the point where you were going to deep dive into the hurt locker yeah. you kind of your digestive system yeah. said yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe not today yeah. so therefore you haven't been beaten up quite as much as you would have been but just give us a bit of a comment about your recovery from that marathon and also how chiropractic helped you with that uh, preparation and recovery yeah well you know I think I said going into the marathon just with um, the sort of I think I was in a routine of going to chiropractor twice a week and, uh, you know, balancing that with the yoga, the other cross-training I was doing, I, yeah, my body felt great and better than it ever has done. And, you know, as I said with the race, just because the race didn't go to plan, it doesn't invalidate that or change any of that. And, you know, I think we, we spent some time talking about the, the super shoes, the Nike shoes. That's also a key benefit of wearing those shoes is at a baseline your legs are just more protected so obviously the day after a marathon your legs are always sore but I you know I, I I'm always pretty strict I, I don't run the week after a marathon I had my first run the Monday so about seven days after which was you know yesterday now and I yeah, felt felt great and uh, you yeah. know no real issues um, obviously when I saw Dr. Brown last week he had a slightly different perspective on <laughs> where my pelvis was sitting and what my ribs were doing but it wasn't anything that um, you know I, d I definitely didn't pick up anything during the race and I think it was all fairly standard tension that your body accumulates during a pretty hard pretty hard effort um, and yeah I'll be I'll be seeing the man himself in half an hour so I think yeah just even running to meet you today you kind of feel that 
body, you know, that range of motion coming back. The week I wasn't running, you know, I was back out on the bike, I was doing some more yoga sessions, just like really low impact stuff just to get, you know, keep some sort of cardio work involved. But um, yeah, all in all, I think I'm, I don't want to say I'm ready to go because I think I'll find out on Saturday how <laughs> ready to really go back into the hurt locker I am. But how, how about this? How, how, what do you say to anyone out there running marathons who doesn't even have a chiropractor? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how that, that works. I mean, for me, it's just like it, it, the prospect of not having those, you know, for me, twice weekly, but even just like weekly tune-ups, just keeping things, um, you know, I think when you build a relationship with the chiropractors like you do, like I have with you and Dr. Brian, there's just that sort of history of, oh, you know, you've been looking after my body for 10, you know, 10 years now, and it allows what you know small things which might snowball into something bigger to kind of be nipped in the bud and yeah the amount of times during the training cycle where I get on the table and say to Dr. Brian hey you know my shoulder's a bit tight here or you know something funny going on in my foot and you know clear it out clear it out so so Sophia being the super flat one it's going to be a fast one <laughs> I hope so. That's that's why I signed up. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, not that London is a um, hard. I mean, I think every marathon is hard, but uh, you know, I think it's always not, having done a lot of the majors, even if Sevilla is a big race, it's quite nice to actually do one which doesn't necessarily have the same. You know, London there's forty thousand people running. Sevilla is a fraction of that. Uh, it's a smaller city. It's just a very different vibe at these smaller races. And also, yeah, it's like, I've never been severe, and running 26 miles around the city is a pretty good way to get a sense of that place. Is, is it a sub-230 mission, though, or is it an enjoyable Oh, no, mission? it's sub-230 mission. Yeah, yeah, the, nice. the, yeah. <laughs> No, definitely the, the dream continues, and... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean... It's like, we go again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's what my mentality was, was, you know, I don't want to sit here licking my wounds and feel sorry for myself. I I think that's what was great about London, was I had so much confidence going into the race and confidence in my fitness that just because things went off the rails during the race, it doesn't change that. Um, Almost gives you more confidence because you knew that, you know, if it hadn't gone wrong in mile 18, you probably could have pushed on. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think for me the most important thing is I feel excited to get back at it and not, you know, it doesn't feel, obviously, it's still daunting to a certain extent, but it's, it's a good, it's a sort of excited feeling as opposed to, oh, wow, I've really overestimated my own potential here. Oh, brilliant. Mate, well done. You want to be proud of a 237 <laughs> yeah. and a mortal like myself couldn't even consider that whole yeah. concept. Uh, like I said the first time round, even running one mile at that pace is pretty much beyond them, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you want to be proud of that. And uh, I'm glad we can, Cairo, London, Putney, Cairo, help you in that process. 
or achieving or you know targeting one of those dreams so uh, you're an inspiration to all of our listeners and I'm sure yeah I'm sure your world has totally changed since you came on the yeah. podcast the first time around I mean I'm sure numerous people stopping you in the streets uh, your DMs on Insta must be going wild it's uh, it's too much to handle but I look forward to part three in the trilogy of conversations oh, when, yeah, yeah. bring it on uh, yeah Severe is in the background and hopefully sub 230 is a reality alright well let's wrap it up there thanks cool. for uh, giving us a brief insight yeah. into marathon life <laughs>